People disappear all the time, and some of them go willingly and do not want to be found. It is the cases of unwilling victims that are the hardest to solve, especially if the perpetrator has done a great job covering their tracks. But most of the time, these crimes do not come with a ready-made cover story. This week, we will be teaming up to tell you the story of the COVID cover-up, the disappearance of Gretchen Anthony. From time to time, during the How Did We Miss That podcast, we may talk about details of crimes that some may find triggering or disturbing. Listener discretion is highly advised. we miss that? Hello. Welcome back for another episode of How Did We Miss That? I'm Christine. And I'm John. And I'm so excited. We're working, we're working together today. Yeah. It's kind of cool. They always say don't work with your spouse, so I hope this works out. This oh. could be the end of all of our pot. No, I'm kidding. It's going to be fine. We're not getting paid or anything, so. It's true. I like working with you. I know. This was kind of cool. It was I enjoyed cool. it. And the part you gave me is really awesome. So I'm excited. Oh, good. Yeah. I didn't Thank really you give you that. a part. I just like did my part. And well, you, you, found, you found the story and you said, I'll do this and you do that. And the part that is that is great. So I'm thank you for that. You did a good job. <laughs> thank you for that. You could have left <laughs> me with like the crappy that, but you gave me a good that. So I'm happy. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm excited. I'm complimenting you. Just say a thank you. Thank you. My God. Or shouldn't I be saying you're welcome? Because you said thank you. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. Anyway. All right. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> yes. So our source for this particular story is a CBS News article from May 8th of 2021. And it was written by correspondent Peter Van Sant. So we're going to begin our story in March of 2020 in Jupiter, Florida. I'm sure we can all remember what was going on in March of 2020. It seems like it was just yesterday, Right. I can. I noticed I, I when I was like, reading through this was March 23rd, 2020, well, was which was my birthday. Get there. Sorry. Look, it, it literally says your birthday. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I remember. That was my uh, first quarantine birthday. I actually had two. So. Yes, we each had two, didn't we? You, no, oh, you no, escaped I guess the first, the first one, one by I, like I barely, two yeah. weeks. Yeah. I just barely escaped it. You got lucky. But yeah, so like you said, it was March 23rd of 2020. The best day of March. <laughs> <laughs> when Gretchen's family and friends began to get troubling text messages saying that she had tested positive for coronavirus. Of course, this was a total shock to them. At this point, the cases were surging and everyone was really scared. So I don't know if you remember the end of March of last year. We were stay-at-home orders starting and... Yeah, everything fell apart that last week. Everything was getting really yep. crazy, right? And, yep. and nobody really knew a lot about anything at that point just yet. Yeah, exactly. So I can imagine if you hear from your family member that they're sick, you know? Yeah, I agree. At that time, if you heard you were sick, it was like an automatic death sentence. So right. you thought, you know, yeah, obviously exactly. that wasn't the case for a lot of people, especially someone young in this particular case. But um, yeah, a scary time. I don't, I don't want to think about it. Right. Well, so you kind of touched on a point here that was what was so confusing for her family and friends and it was that she was like the picture of health. So Gretchen, she was 51. So, you know, not super young, but not 
old. Um, she worked out hard at the gym on most days and she really took her health and her nutrition really seriously. Yeah. So they couldn't imagine her dying of any illness, let alone this one. So it was just kind of, kind of shocking for them, I think. Yeah. But like we do every week, we're going to look back on what got us to this point of our story. Okay. I think that's super important. Yep. Little, <laughs> little rewind. I should get a rewind sound effect. Like a, yeah, that'd be kind of cool. I just did it. So there you go. <laughs> You did. There I you did. go. That's yeah. our sound. Yeah, and we don't just, even need one now. Nope. So like I said, Gretchen was living in Jupiter, Florida with her daughter from a previous marriage. Her daughter was everything to her. And after her divorce, she shared custody of her with her ex-husband. Shortly after the divorce from her ex-husband, Gretchen met and fell head over heels for a trainer at her gym. David Anthony was kind of a big shot at the gym. I guess he was pretty popular with the ladies. Kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. (laughs) Friends say that he was intelligent. He was well-spoken. He was really charming. He also brought like a lot of new members into the gym. So Mm. he was, I'm sure, treated quite well there. Yeah. And someone had mentioned that he was like a huge presence in whatever place he was in. He was a pretty big guy. Right. So I read. We'll hear about that in a moment. (laughs) Yeah. So I can can imagine. (laughs) So it was pretty obvious the two had sparks right away, and the couple was married in 2015 at an Elvis chapel in Las Vegas. Oh, good for them. Thank you I want to do that really bad. We're already married, sweetie. I know, but it would be really fun to do oh, it again. do a renewal, yeah. That yeah. would be fun. At an Elvis like, chapel. Only Come if on. he sings Chunk of Chunk of Burning Love, then I'll be... It, it's not... That's ice cream. That's my version. Whatever. Because I'm chunky. Anyway, carry on. That's This is... <laughs> Irrelevant. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we're way off Objection. Topic. Irrelevant. <laughs> All right. Well, it really seemed like the couple was extremely happy, and he was a great stepdad to her daughter. But unfortunately, it was not going to last because the couple decided to separate in February of 2019. Mm. And David moved out of the house in with his mother. That can't be fun. No. Can't imagine doing that. I've done that. You have done that. <laughs> Just Sucks. realized. Sucks. Yeah, it's not fun. <laughs> Yeah. You were there for part of it. It wasn't fun. Part of it, yes. Yeah, no. <laughs> so all of this is going on, and then all of a sudden, these super strange text messages, and we're back to the beginning of the story, right? So it's just a short little... Yeah, just a short little rewind. Now yeah, we're back. Now we're back. So again, on Monday, March 23rd... Yes. Her daughter gets the first text in the morning that says, Good morning, Tested positive for coronavirus early this morning. That means I have to stay here for at least two weeks. Okay, so you just text message your daughter? Yeah. Good morning. (laughs) Did you say how old the daughter is? How old is she? I don't. I actually didn't hear it in any of the sources, and they only said her daughter. They wouldn't give her a name or Yeah, I didn't see that either. So I think they're trying to kind of keep her out of the limelight. I don't know how old she is. It seemed, I mean, she's obviously... I'm assuming younger than 18 since she's living with both her parents and going back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm assuming she's a, so you, a minor. Yeah. And you say like, so she just text messages her daughter. Your, your mom would text message you, but you're an adult. Right. But she so wouldn't guessing, text message me that she got coronavirus. Although this lady's 51. So maybe 51. she was at least a teenager. I don't know. That's possible. Curious. I guess. Yeah. I guess you're right. But the point is, like, my mom wouldn't just like, good morning. I have coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> Going to be stuck inside for two weeks. Hey, by the way. She would call me and be like, hey, hon, you know, she would talk to me about it at least. Mm -hmm. You'd think you'd pick up the phone and call your, you know, like I said, she, her daughter was everything. She would do anything for her. They were always together. 
like best friends is what it sounds like. Like you would, I don't know. It just seems really strange to yeah. me. Yeah. So anyway, her daughter replied that she really hopes she gets better. <laughs> But over the next few days, the text messages keep coming in, describing her condition as worsening each time. One said, I consulted with the virus screening hotline and admitted myself into the Jupiter Medical Center's emergency room. So it's obviously getting really serious. And of course, the family begins to get worried, right? I mean, I think we all would. Yeah. These are like really scary messages, especially at this time, you know? Very, yes. The worst part is that not one of her family members ever received an actual phone call from her. They all agreed that something was just not right about that. But what are they supposed to do? You know, at this time, you couldn't go to the hospital and see them. Right. Yeah. There's no way to verify. No, you can't. I mean. And you may be thinking, I mean, like you said, nobody knew anything. So your mind's probably swirling like, oh, my God, maybe all she can do is text because she can't talk or can't can't breathe breathe or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, So there's that. And I mean, can't go over there. Right. So it's, I I mean. Yeah. I would just feel really helpless, you know. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, another text message comes in saying that she had been transferred to a special facility that was directly run by the CDC that was about an hour away from where she lived. Except there's one problem. Those don't exist. The facility does not exist. Yeah, I put that in my notes because I read that as well. And I'm like, those weren't a thing even in the beginning. The CDC does not run hospitals. That's not what they do. Yeah. And so, so, I mean, you and I, maybe because we watch the news and read what we're supposed to read, might know that. I don't know if I would have known that if my mom said, I'm going to a special CDC facility. I don't know if I would have been like, wait a minute. You know? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I hear you. You don't yes. know. I, things were going crazy at this they point. They were, yeah. Weird things popping up everywhere. The tents were popping up. They were using military facilities. Like, you can't... I, I don't know. Yeah. I wouldn't know. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So, like I said, it doesn't exist. And things are starting to just not add up for her family. So, those closest to her decide that it's time to get the police involved. They called 911 and asked that they do a welfare check on her. Not really being able to explain why, but just that they thought she was in danger. So the investigators start by checking the Jupiter Medical Center, who says that they never had a Gretchen Anthony check in during that time frame. They decided they needed to go over to the medical center, and lo and behold, there is Gretchen's Mini Cooper right in the parking lot. Mm. But that isn't even the part of this that was the most worrisome to them. In plain sight on the seat of the car was Gretchen's purse. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm here to tell you, as a woman, I can safely say that I rarely go anywhere without my purse. Yes. And you don't leave it on the seat of the car. That's asking for right. theft. It just doesn't happen. Right. You, you've got so much stuff in there. I mean, right. you know, my purse, it's a bottomless pit. I do. Yeah. I can't imagine, like, I, I don't even feel, even when you have the car keys and you drove, I don't feel comfortable. You've got a wallet. You can pay. Like, I don't need it, but I do need it yeah, i don't know it's your security purse it's weird <laughs> yeah it's weird but women just don't do that you just you don't just leave your purse on the car seat no it just doesn't happen jupiter's a nice anyway. area but yeah yeah still no yeah so if she isn't in the hospital the cdc facility she said she was at does not exist and she's not with her car then where is she so it's now march 26th five days since anyone has actually seen Gretchen 
And investigators are now canvassing her neighborhood to try to find something, anything that could help them understand what may have happened to her. A neighbor approaches the police and tells them that in the early morning hours of the 21st, which was a Saturday, she heard a woman screaming. She said she heard her say no and stop because she was being hurt. She explained that she was too nervous to call the police. But then another neighbor said that he had noticed a soapy substance coming from underneath Gretchen's garage door. So I want to stop for just a second. How would you, if you heard screaming, like, would you automatically call the police? No. Yeah. I mean, I like to say I'm a, I'm a true crime addict and that I have a true crime mind. And I think I would immediately think like, oh my God, somebody's getting murdered. But I don't know if I'd actually pick up the phone. Well, hold on. Let me pause. Let me go back. Okay. I think it depends on the type of scream, right? That's there's, true. There's screaming kids. There's someone who's just screaming because they're having a fit. Someone playing around. Someone who's being hurt is a different kind of scream. And a good example of that is just today, sitting at home, I heard kind of like what sounded like, not a scream, but like a almost like someone in distress. And I didn't call anyone. But I did poke around and look outside. Yeah. The neighbor was doing yard work, so I wasn't sure if she fell or got hurt or something. Oh, yeah. That's good so point. I kind of looked around. But, I mean, my first instinct is to never just immediately pick up the phone. Because right. I'm like you. I have an investigative mind. I'm going to go check it out myself. However, with that said, the type of scream will dictate how I react. Yeah. Well, so this woman said that she sounded like she was in pain. I guess she screamed out for the person to stop because she was. they were hurting her. So, I mean, I guess if it was like that and it was in my neighborhood, I think that might be more of a give me a little push to call if I was just like walking around outside and I couldn't tell where it was coming from. Like maybe I wouldn't, but this seems clearly like they knew where it was coming from. Yeah. And you probably should fact check me on this, but I want to say like Jupiter, Florida is where like all the PGA golfers live, like Tiger Woods. This is like a nice ritzy place. So I know. So I've heard, I think. And so if I hear that, in that setting, it, it would be more suspicious than it would be in, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Orlando, you know, or whatever. Yeah, maybe. All right. So the soapy substance coming from the garage door. So the investigators go to search the house more closely, believing that someone had obviously been doing some cleaning in the garage. They found that the back door leading to her patio had been locked, but that the key had been broken off in a deadbolt. So that's kind of odd. All this information was enough for investigators who quickly forced their way into the garage. Though they did not find Gretchen, they noticed the super strong smell of cleaning agents. So if you clean with like bleach like I do, you know that smell pretty strongly. You do. However, devil's advocate guy over here. Okay. Why are you rolling your eyes? Don't roll your eyes. I'm not rolling my eyes. There's no rolling. This is COVID times when everyone was told to clean and sanitize. Good point. Again, this in that time frame wouldn't seem that weird. Well, it obviously seemed weird enough for them because they felt like they needed to investigate closer. No, I agree. There, so I, agree, I will yeah. I will post this picture on our social media. There's a picture of the garage with the soapy substance. Mm-hmm. It's like a river of soap. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a little much. Yeah. You know, I mean, if I just happen to walk in the house and it smells like bleach, that might not be such a bad indication, but that much cleaning stuff. Yeah. Someone was doing a is big a little down. crazy. Yeah. 
All right. So they actually had their body cameras rolling the entire time, which is really cool because they actually have some good footage of all this stuff. They searched through the home. They found signs of a struggle. Like there was glass on the bed. There was a stained towel that seemed to have a blood-like substance on it. What's more, still more neighbors decided to come forward to say that they had taken pictures of a black truck that was parked near Gretchen's house when they heard the screams that morning. And who do you think owns a black truck? David Anthony. David Anthony owns a black Nissan pickup truck. Mm -hmm. So... I don't know. Now I'm starting to get a little frustrated with the neighbors because you had the wherewithal to take a picture of the truck when you heard the screams. Why don't you just call someone? You could just even call the police department. You don't have to call 911. Call the department and say like, hey, can you, something's just not right. Could you do a welfare check? Yeah, I, I don't know. I have a lot to say about this, but, well, I, go, but I say. Won't. People have this like complex of they don't want to bother the police. They don't want to cry wolf. They don't want to have be the person on the other end of a false call. You know what I mean? And the same thing happened around 9-11 and whatever. People get real fired up after an incident. So I bet you those neighbors now call every little drop of the hat, anything they see that looks out of place. Yeah. But prior to an incident like that happening, most people don't think to do that. They just, they try to write it off in their own mind as normal. Yeah. There is actually a psychological study and they gave it a name and God help me, I can't figure out what it was. But it was basically a people will watch something happening and expect that other people will call. So they don't call themselves. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, well, someone else will do it. Yep. But then nobody does because Mm -hmm. everybody says someone else will do it. Yeah. So guys, be that someone. Make that call. And I've done that before and I don't get any shade from the 911 operator. Like, oh, we already know, but thanks for calling. That's it. Done. Yeah. I don't want it. I, I don't want it on my conscience that I didn't call. Right. In that brush fire or murder or whatever. Yeah. Well, the, <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, this could have been a huge thing for her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, so investigators begin to do some more digging and they find out that shortly after Gretchen had filed for divorce in February, David had begun to show signs of being really unstable. He threatened Gretchen, who became worried about her safety so much that she installed security cameras around her house and garage. But wait a minute. Investigators had not seen any cameras anywhere in the house. Hmm. Were they covert? I don't think so. Hmm. They discovered that they had been removed from the walls. But just because cameras are gone does not mean that the footage has been lost. Mm-hmm. There's this new thing. It's called the cloud. The cloud. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So investigators send a warrant at this time to obtain the footage from her camera provider. In the meantime, they really wanted to find out what David Anthony knew about Gretchen's disappearance. So with cameras rolling again, they went to his mother's home to question him. All right. So I'm going to have you read this conversation with me. Yeah. So you get to be Detective Joseph Cunahan. Okay. And I will be Susan Warner, David's mother. Okay. Okay. Are we ready? I'm ready. Who is it? Uh, Jupiter Police, ma'am. Hello. Hi. Uh, Sorry to bother you. Gretchen's been in touch with me because she's in the CDC center. She has the virus. Uh, okay. What CDC center is she at? I don't know. She texted me this morning and said she was in there. I have the text. Would you like to see it? I'd love to. So here's the text message. How did I do? Was that good? You did great. That was really good. Awesome. Oscar, Oscar winning. (laughs) So here's the text message. Good morning. 
again, tested positive for coronavirus early this morning. That's the bad news. But I'm at a CDC coronavirus treatment facility that handles COVID cases. The good. (laughs) Okay. Like, these are such vague... Yeah. Weird. Te- I mean, if it were me and I'm texting my mom, like, maybe I have to text her because I can't breathe or whatever. Like you said, I would say, I'm fine. Please don't worry about me. Can you take care of the dog? Or will you look in on John and the kids? It's uh, going to be a little bit more personal than, hey, good morning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who t- I, I don't know. So I, if I were the family, I'd be like, this is not right. Right. So when officers asked Susan, where her son was, she suddenly got really excited and agitated. And she told the detectives that he had packed his truck on the 24th and said that he was going to go to Costa Rica. Oh, he's yeah. going to drive there? Apparently. You can't drive to Costa Rica. I don't know. <laughs> he brought his dog, who coincidentally, the dog's name's Kobe. Yeah. Yeah. So he brought Kobe the dog with him. Which is, this is all being really weird. It's around my birthday. I know. I, you had a Kobe the dog. I had a black truck when I had Kobe the you dog. You had him. Oh, I have a black truck now. I might be. I don't know. I'm a big dude. (laughs) Not as big as him. No. Well, the police desitter. Desitter. That's a new word. (laughs) It is. Yeah. Desitter. Desitter. No, it's supposed to be consider. Not sure where that was coming from. Deconsider. Decon. I don't know. Yeah. That's not a word either. No. (laughs) (laughs) So they considered this attempting to flee the country. So now he's a suspect officially. Yeah, you are. Because of this, they decided to really focus their investigation on David and his relationship with Gretchen. Mm -hmm. They were able to obtain security footage from the medical center parking lot. And what do you suppose it showed? Um, I don't know. David parking her car. Well, it showed Gretchen's Mini Cooper pulling into the lot. But no Gretchen. And a very tall person walking away from the vehicle. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? David Anthony is like six foot seven. Yeah, he's big. So, yeah. At this point, I'm pretty sure he's got something to do with it. Maybe. Yeah, don't jump to conclusions. Yeah. I feel like the police are kind of kind of sure on we this one, too. We, we don't want to profile. We don't right. want to jump. Let's get the information, all the facts. Sure. Okay. Yeah. How many six foot seven men do you know? Not too many. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, they decided to track her cell phone to see if it would lead them to David it pings about 600 miles away from a tower in Pensacola, Florida. So now the question is not just where is Gretchen, but now where is David? Tracking David turned out to be easier than they expected, actually. He left a pretty noticeable trail behind, kind of not the smartest guy. The cell phone records actually helped them to figure out where to locate him. And then after that, there was video evidence all over the place. Mm-hmm. They even tracked him to jewelry stores. And when they went in and talked to the proprietors of the jewelry stores, they had said he was trying to sell some jewelry. Later, we find out it was Gretchen's jewelry. But he told them that he was selling this jewelry because one of his family members passed away from COVID. So there's the COVID cover up again. Yeah. Yeah. But the biggest glaring thing that all of this video surveillance had in common was that Gretchen was nowhere to be seen in any of them. Right. So even though they were several days behind him, and they learned from his mother that he was on his way to Costa Rica, the police were determined to hunt him down. And this is where you come in. This is where I come in. The manhunt, which spanned almost all the way across the country. 
So first, I I wanted to say some things about Gretchen that were passed on by her friends that I think are important to the story. They said she was a person who connected instantly with everyone she met. One friend in particular said she was radiant and just had this gentle gracefulness about her. The most beautiful laugh, someone who would somehow be protected from harm. I want just one time someone to be like, they were a jerk. <laughs> well, that's funny. You just read my mind because I my next thing I wrote down here as I was preparing said, I feel like everyone says these nice yeah. things when someone is gone or passed away, right. missing, dying from an illness. Have you ever heard anyone saying the contrary? Yeah. Like all the murder documentaries. Oh, they were just so full of life yeah. and they lit up a room. Yeah, like, oh, Gretchen's gone. I totally get that. She was a bitch. <laughs> yeah, I'm so <laughs> like, glad she's gone. Come on. That's what <laughs> they should say. Nobody even liked yeah. her. So I wanted to point out and take a minute to say that if you feel this way about your friends and family, like this friend felt about her, make sure you tell them oh, yeah, because you never thing. know when your last opportunity may be. And if you feel the opposite, like we're talking about, make sure you tell them. Yeah. Because and don't lie you may to not the have a chance to tell them. people when they come around. Yeah. If you think someone's a dick, tell them they're <laughs> a dick because you might not have a chance to do that. You never know when someone's going to go away. Hey, so um, got something to tell you. I'm just kidding. Hey, please do. I'll take the feedback. So, like you said, they were pinging phones. They knew he tried to leave. At this point, the investigators were playing catch up. They're working days behind him. Right. Who who knows where he's at now? He's already hit the road. And so that's hard for investigators to kind of catch up to where someone may be. And they're constantly on the move. Right. You may never catch them. But like you said, he kind of left a good trail for them. Investigators tracked David and Gretchen's phones. And the signals appeared to place both of them traveling together westward across Texas. No, oh my. When they started okay. looking at this. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here again. Okay. Okay. One of the investigators trying to remain positive, or I'm sorry, one of the family friends trying to remain positive said, I wonder if these signals mean that they're just traveling together. Maybe we've got this all wrong. Maybe she's alive. Maybe they just wanted to sneak away on a trip and travel together. Okay, but okay. The lead detective on the case, someone named Detective Kenderson, he felt otherwise. While he didn't know for sure what had happened to Gretchen, he definitely had his suspicions, so much so that as he waited for evidence taken from Gretchen's home to come back from the lab, he issued a be on the lookout for David's black Nissan truck. The truck was listed as a felony vehicle, which means if it's seen, officers were to conduct a felony stop. Do you know what a felony stop is? I don't know what a felony stop is, but I do know what a bolo is. There you go. Look at me. I didn't even put bolo because I was worried you wouldn't know. Of course. I spelled it out. So, a felony stop is when if they run your plate real quick and they say, oh, this is want, this car or something's wanted on a felony, they call for backup. They draw their guns. Maybe they try to block the door, all this stuff because they don't know how dangerous the person could be inside. So, it wouldn't be just like a simple traffic stop, is what you're saying. Right. And for, for them to put this on him, they're, they're worried. About okay. him and his his unstableness and things like that. Um, as investigators began to dig more into David's past, what they found was both stunning and disturbing. Of course, right? Of course. So let's talk a little bit more about this David Anthony character. Please do. He was originally known as David Anthony Deutsch. Oh, so that's not even his last name? And later changed his name to just David Anthony. Oh. Red flag, maybe? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Um, it really depends on the circumstances. I mean, movie stars and musicians, you know, change their names all the time. Regular dudes. It sounds like a like a hair salon. David Anthony. Yeah. Regular dudes, though, don't change their name unless they're well, I don't know. tied up in some, some stuff. You but know? if he's some, like, huge personal trainer, maybe he's trying to be, like, all 
model-y. I don't know. That's a fair point, I guess. Yeah. yeah. All right. Anyway, moving on. So when Gretchen's good friend Kelly heard of this, she said no one knew about his name change. To us, he was local to the Palm Beach area, went to the same high school as my children. It's weird that nobody realized that there was a difference between these two people because oh. he didn't change it much. All he did was drop that last name. Well, okay, but I don't know how many of my friends know what my middle name is. That's true. That's a good point. No one in the town, nobody knew that Deutsch was a star basketball player in college, hence the six seven height. Okay. Also held up a blockbuster video with a squirt gun and assaulted a police officer. Oh. All of which landed him a short stint in jail. Well, yeah. Maybe that's why he changed his name. It's kind of embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> It was becoming clear to the investigators that David had a criminal past, and it's not all that uncommon for people like that to try to escape their past by, you know, changing right, their name. Exactly. And this is a pretty simple name change. You don't even have to, I think he can just go by that since it's actually his name. Right. But, all he did was drop the last name part, you know? Right. So I don't know what's involved in a name change because I'm not a criminal. You could go change your name at the courthouse anytime. Yeah. So like you mentioned, David worked at a gym in Jupiter, Florida. That's Jupiter, Florida, not the planet. I want to be clear. We oh, just kept saying Jupiter. Thank goodness. No, I said Jupiter, Florida. I want to make sure people understand we're not talking about the red planet. That's Mars. Never mind. Yeah. Forget it. Forget isn't, I said anything. Isn't Jupiter blue? Yeah. David's boss at the gym had noticed something was wrong with his behavior right around this time frame, a little bit before all this happened. Right. Noticed some unstableness, some rage. In fact, he got so hard to manage, um, despite his high skill level and being very talented. Like you said, he was bringing a lot of people in. He was very well known. But he was so hard to manage because his moods were so inconsistent, she had to fire him. Yeah. And, you know, as a manager, I've been there. She even went there and uh, went as far to say that she compared him to Jekyll and Hyde. Mm. Wow. Look, okay. Yeah. His mood swings made him so difficult that in 2017... Like I said, she fired him, but she ended up giving him another chance a few years later because he was that good. Well, so yeah. they gave him another chance. They needed his talent. But by early 2020, he was increasingly unstable and agitated. She asked him what was wrong, but that didn't go anywhere. And she was ultimately forced to fire him again. However, this time he didn't go quietly. She got a glimpse of what David was capable of when he responded with rage and anger that frightened her to the point that she texted Gretchen warning her to stay away from him man, and that he was crazy. This was in February of 2020. Mm. And it was the last time she ever spoke to Gretchen. Now, like I've said many times during this episode and before, I like to play the devil's advocate here. I'm not defending David, but people say things like that all the time. Like, whoa, that person's crazy. I've told our kids, stay away from your mom today. She's a little angry. <laughs> So, I mean, when she told Gretchen that, Gretchen was probably like, eh, okay, you know. Well, no, I feel like she knew that. I mean, well, she by then told she probably her, yeah, did. and she told her family that she was scared for her life. That's why she put the cameras in. I just, I, I wanted to make the point that we say this all the time. Yeah. To where it becomes to the point of almost like crying wolf. So, you okay. know, if you really feel like someone's agitated or crazy or dangerous, you need to really kind of convey that message. Don't just send a text, which she did, saying, whoa, stay away from David. He's crazy. You know. Yeah. I don't know that that conveyed the message. But like you said, she already knew <clears throat> at this point because she had installed the cameras and things like that. So here's where things get a little weird, as if they weren't already. <laughs> right. A few weeks after being fired and just seven days before Gretchen disappeared. So we're in the March 
what, 20th range? She disappeared on the 23rd, so 16th well, the 20th, Yeah, the 23rd is when the text messages started. The neighbors heard the screams on the 21st. Okay. And then he packed up everything to go on the 24th. So we're just about a week. We're between being fired and this happening. Riviera Beach police received a call that David was following teenage girls at a nearby shopping center. Ew. What? Gross. Police responded and pulled him over in his truck. Now, I'm not really sure why all of this happened, but body camera footage uh, had recorded the officers yelling at David to get down. So I'm not sure what he was doing, um, but they had a reason to start their body camera footage, which I think they just do anyway, but they were yelling orders to him. He, of course, did not comply, and he eventually lashed out toward them and resisted arrest. The police were able to subdue him and arrested him. He spent a few days in jail, but posted bail three days before the disappearance. So this guy's going through something in his mind. Remember the cell phone tracking I mentioned earlier? Yep. Well, now they know that they have someone who's cagey and volatile that they're tracking because of all this stuff they started to put together and find out about that they previously didn't know about. So they kick up their investigation a notch and they're a little more worried, a little more urgency is put into trying to find him. Yeah. The investigators were soon able to figure out that David was turning the cell phones on and off. So they were able to get a location on him, but then they would lose it. So Hmm. they'd get a location like an area in Texas, and then the next day it would be in New Mexico. I wonder if that was like a strategy or if he was trying to keep batteries going. Like, I wonder why he was doing that. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Um, On March 27th, 2020, his phone pinged in Pecos, Texas. Is that where Bill's from? Pecos, Bill? (laughs) I'm sure it's just named for for Pecos, Bill. The next day, it pinged in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Seeing this, Detective Kennerson immediately reached out to Las Cruces area for help. With a detailed description of the truck and still tracking his phone, Las Cruces PD located David and pulled him over. And to me, it's so cool when law enforcement does this stuff yeah, where they like actually work together. Work together. And, yeah. This is how it's That's supposed to work. That's a smart way to do it. You're, <laughs> yeah. you're obviously days away from there. You know, right? And this is how it's supposed to work. And sometimes it doesn't, which is disappointing. Yeah. Officers questioned David about Gretchen, and you can guess what he said, right? That she has coronavirus. That's right. He told him she (laughs) had COVID. Not only did he say that, but he also elaborated and said she was in the CDC facility. Oh, so he's keeping to his story. Like I mentioned earlier, come on, David. That's not even a thing. It's not even a thing. Do your research. Yeah, just say she's in the hospital or she's at home in quarantine or somewhere in quarantine. Make up a location. I don't know. Come on. Las Cruces PD seized David's property for investigation because it was a felony stop, like I told you before, including his truck, phone, and Gretchen's phone, but they didn't have enough evidence to take him. Hmm. So they let him go. Okay. No one really knows where he goes from here, but they know that he's on a walkabout around New Mexico with no property. (laughs) He's on foot. Well, yeah. And we've been to the Las Cruces area. That's kind of where the we caverns have? were. Yeah. Oh, oh God. That's a kind of a desolate. Like nothing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, New Mexico's kind of desolate and weird anyway. So, I mean, I don't know. You know what? It reminds me of like the old Western movies that you see where it's like. The tumbleweed going across. Well, yeah. yeah it's like hills and deserty looking. Yeah. And then like miles and miles away from each other are like little tiny towns. Yep. That you kind of hit. Yeah, as remember you we were kind of elevated and you could see out and there's like a little patch of town and yeah, then desert and, like and then a little nothing, patch of town. And then a little patch of, yeah. It looked just miserable. Okay, let's move on. On March 30th, Jupiter police finally received the recordings from Gretchen's home. Oh, there we go. 
They released portions of that footage which revealed a tall figure hidden in the shadows on the patio appearing to ambush her. Ew, I just got goosebumps. Other footage was deemed too disturbing to release to news sources. <gasps> oh, no. Including a moment when Gretchen appears on the patio and the figure forces her into the garage. Investigators said that the tapes then reveal Gretchen calling out to her Alexa device for help, screaming to Alexa to call 911. Oh, no. Well, it turns out that you have to specifically program Alexa to actually call the police when you say that. Oh, and she dear. hadn't done that. Did we do that with our Google? Can well, we do that? So I don't know. I, I put in my notes here. I wonder if Google's the same. Siri. Yeah. How, how say you, Siri? I don't know. We have to look that up. Yeah. So the sad thing here is investigators do believe that if Alexa had in fact been programmed, it may oh. have saved her life. Stupid she tried. Alexa. I know, right? Come on. The last images of Gretchen alive are seen from the surveillance footage on the garage cameras. The figure seen earlier out on the patio grabbing her can now be seen attempting to muffle her screams and take her into the garage. The person looks up and realizes there's a camera, then proceeds to take the camera from the wall and throw it on the floor, like you mentioned earlier. Yes. Friends and family who have seen the footage don't just see a shadowing figure. They see David Anthony. They know what the guy looks like. It's more than that. And so did investigators. I mean, the image is shockingly clear. I can't wait till you put these pictures up on social media because you're going to be like, wow, what? those are some good cameras. Yeah. I mean, ca home cameras are amazing now. And that's important to the story because when I get into the, the investigation, when they actually interrogate him, it's unbelievable that he denied this. His face is literally looking at the cameras. He takes it off the wall and it's a clear shot of his face with good lighting and everything. It's like, this is you, Ugh, dude. Like, you chills, can't, man. You can't say that this isn't you. So can we take a pause real quick? Sure. So the Google Nest, which is what we have. Yes. It will call 911, but you have to be a Nest aware subscriber. Mm. And Alexa, it actually says that Alexa cannot call 911 because of federal regulations. And I think it's because they can't track you. They don't know your location. Oh, that's true. Yeah, they the, don't number have, comes, the number comes in as some weird number. Yeah, yeah it's not. Um, well, I think can't Siri get your will location do it. On that. Yeah, I don't know if Siri will do it, but I do know you can like hold the button really long or whatever and it'll yeah. pop up. Yeah. But, oh, I feel so bad. She was probably like. I know. That's all she knew, to, that's all she she knew to do. Yeah. Oh, that's awful. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, with the evidence they needed. Detective Kennerson rushed to Las Cruces to look for and arrest David. They searched homeless areas, shelters, hotels, just about everywhere. Like I just mentioned, we've been to this area in particular. There's not too many places to hide, so I'm not sure yeah. where he went. Nobody knows. Although I guess you could just like lay flat in the desert. <laughs> yeah. Nervous that Davis. Wow. Nervous that Davis. Nervous that David was going to get away and be lost forever. Detective Kennerson got lucky on March 31st when officers spotted David taking Kobe for a walk. Oh, Kobe. David was detained and Kobe was taken to a shelter in case you were wondering. Oh, poor Kobe. Kennerson had his guy, but they still didn't have her body, which we know is problematic in yep. situations like this. Can't prove murder if you don't got a body. Kennerson and a few other detectives from Jupiter and Las Cruces interrogated David at the New Mexico State Police headquarters. Having the video evidence they needed, they now had one question. Where is she? Mm -hmm. Right? David made it very clear early on in the process that he was going to be making that answer difficult. Very difficult to get. Mm -hmm. 
As Kennerson began explaining why he was there and that there was a warrant for his arrest for murder, David quickly butt in and said, okay, she's alive. Just didn't even let him finish as to why I'm here, why you're here. We're all from Florida, but yet we're in Las Cruces talking to you about murder. He just cut in immediately and says, great, she's alive. Hmm. I have a little experience interviewing people when they do something wrong. No murder, mostly just shoplifting and things like that. (laughs) You haven't Um, interviewed a murderer? But I can just tell you, as the person on the other side of the table, I absolutely love it when the bad guy does this. Because you know know immediately that they're guilty. An innocent person doesn't just cut people off and do those things. Mm. You, You know by his attitude that there's something up with this guy, and it just makes the process easier. So even though he fought back, they had a pretty easy go of it. David continues to be defiant and dishonest as they continue their questioning. They basically spelled out the chain of events for him, including the text messages, and he had a defiant answer for all of it. When they got to the video evidence part of the interrogation and let him know they have clear video proof of him putting his hand over her mouth and gagging her, his reply was simply, she's still alive. Regardless of what the police presented, David maintained his story and repeatedly stated that she was still alive. In fact, are you ready for this? I'm ready. He made that claim 35 times 35. during this process. That's a little overkill. Ooh, sorry. Wow. <laughs> so the investigators switched up their tactics a few times, focusing on the daughter for a bit. But then David tried to change the game on them. He dared them to prove their case to him. In doing so, he challenged the detectives by telling them that they don't have any video of him killing Gretchen, which they don't, actually. They don't. It's true. He even went as far to demand that police show him the video of her dead and him killing her. Things were getting a little heated, so the detectives took a break. David had his handcuffs adjusted some and was given some water. Kennister came back in. Kennerson came back in this time. um, And he was quiet and alone. He was trying to play good cop. And he gave one more emotional plea to David by playing a recording of Gretchen's daughter asking David to tell her where mommy is. Please tell me where my mom is. It didn't work. David said, I've raised Mm. that girl since she was two. I know her voice. So that should tell you a a clue to her age. Right. But is he like mentally not there? I I don't know. How does he not? He says, I know her voice. He was claiming that they just found some chick and had her. Yeah. He was actually claiming that the police forged this recording, which they did not. It was a real recording. What a weirdo. When this happened, Kennerson lost his shit a little bit and let him have it. After more than two hours, David abruptly ended things and decided to lawyer up. Kennerson said, okay, that's that. Surprised it took him two hours. Yeah. David was charged with second degree murder and was extradited to Florida. Kobe was adopted by new owners, in case you were concerned. Audience I was and concerned. Yeah. Back in Jupiter, the case made the news and courts in Florida were preparing for their prosecution. The problem is we still have no body. Yep. And we all know how hard that it's going to make it for the prosecution. Well, yeah, you can't prove murder if you don't have an actual body. Right. Well, David knew that, too. While David was in custody in Palm Beach, a grand jury indicted him on the charge of kidnapping and raised the murder charge from second degree to first degree. The change made the potential for the death penalty a real scenario for him. But still, no body. And that was going to make things messy if this ever went to trial. Fast forward a little bit to December of last year. Still no body, and police are beginning to realize they may never find her without David's help. 
In one last-ditch effort, the prosecution begins negotiations with his defense team. The deal? 38 years in prison, and David is required to plead guilty to second-degree murder and reveal Gretchen's location. What do you think happened? Nope. He took the deal. Oh! David took the deal, and on December 21st, David finally admits what everyone already knew, and Gretchen's body was found that day. Wow. He chose a nondescript patch of grass just a few miles from her house behind a Walmart and near a retirement home. When I read this, it made me wonder just how many bodies are probably buried outside of a Walmart. (laughs) (laughs) Only America's best go to Walmart, so I'm sure there's a few holes in the Walmart landscaping. Gretchen's family and friends could finally have peace. One last thing. On January 14th, 2021, Mm -hmm. the family came face-to-face with David during his sentencing hearing. The family had a chance to speak and let him know how evil they thought he was. And then it was David's turn. Would you like to know what he said? Oh, yes. Please tell me. My illusions saw the COVID pandemic as an end-of-the-world prophecy, an Armageddon that I felt compelled to escape no matter the cost. Instead of being a man, I chose to be a coward. I tried to steal what wasn't mine, and in the process, I ended a life. Her life had value, her life had meaning, and I stole that life. David is scheduled to be released from prison in 2058, when he will be 81 years old. Let's hope he never makes it. Yeah. What a scum. Ugh. That's my story. Wow. My part of the story, anyway. It's our story. Yeah, it's crazy, right? I mean, what a... I don't know. Insane. Mental illness, like we've talked about many times on this show and our other one, but like this guy was clearly out of his head a little bit. Yeah, I don't. You have to be. There's no crime of passion here or anything. He was just. Well, he seems like he was super unstable at this point, and and based on the timeline, it sounds like her them deciding to separate is what kind of sent him into the spiral. Yeah. And I will tell you, I mean, a lot of people separated, a lot of people lost jobs during this time. Right. I'm surprised there aren't more of these, to be honest with you. I mean, it's just, uh, well, I don't want to there are and people just, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get on my soapbox, but the mental health implications of this pandemic, yeah. we haven't even begun to see mm-hmm. what that has caused. So, I mean, yeah. Right. It's just, it's sad. It's really sad. Well, we learned you, you got to call 911, right? Call the police. Yeah. Use your phone. Do something. Scream louder. I don't know. And See program something, your say damn something. Alexa. Program Alexa. Program Google. Become a Google aware subscriber, whatever yeah, it was called. Yeah. Get Siri on board. Whatever you need to do. Yeah. Hey, and, and do what Gretchen did. Get your cameras. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Absolutely. We have cameras, so you better watch yourself. Remember, the, well, our cameras don't record. Mm, that's what oh, you think. They don't. That's what you we think. We don't have subscription. <laughs> yes, nice we do. Try. Actually, we'll figure this out later, but we do. No, we don't. I know your every move. You're weird. Anyway. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Well, we will definitely be posting some pictures and more information up on social media. So please make sure to follow us at How Did We Miss That? Thank you again to our theme composers at Audio Anywhere Productions. And... Until next week, keep your head up and look out for each other.